Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionic's Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionic's best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option. Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion. And because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine definitely get. And I love that Vionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 198 of the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here, as always, with Sarah Powers. What's up, Sarah? Hey, Megan. How are you? Sarah, we're so close to 200 episodes. And you know what that reminds me of? That we need to do something about it? Well, we do. But remember (laughs) how hard of a time I had saying the episode number when we switched from 99 to 100? Like, it was fine when it was 100. But then I couldn't figure out how to say, like, episode 110. I'd be like, episode 110. So we're going to go through that again, is what you're saying? I think we might go through it again, (laughs) unfortunately. We just need need a canned intro where you just don't have to ever do that. (laughs) Some voiceover artist being like, episode 201. Just so Megan doesn't have to think about it. It's pretty sad, actually. But but I'm not sad about today's topic because this is one of my favorite things that we do every so often. We do do this like quarterly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We answer questions from you guys. Love it. We have some really good ones and some really different ones today. We usually we usually do these in um, two parts, mostly because it makes our lives easier. We record kind of a bunch at once and it's hard to fit in all your questions into one episode. So this week and next week, we'll be answering listener questions. And this week, it's kind of fun because I also am joined uh, toward the end of the show by Allison Thompson, who's kind of our resident new mom contributor. She now is a mom of two. They were two under two when the baby was born, but um, her older is now two. Um, but we actually took some listener questions, Allison and I. So this entire episode is listener questions. Um, but toward the end, it'll be kind of new mom stuff with Allison. And you guys chimed in on Instagram with questions for her about how things are going as she's adjusted from one baby to two, which is a topic. I don't know. We get that all the time. It's a, it's a hot topic around here. So um, stick around for that in the second half of the show. Sarah, our sponsor Vionic is back today with their Vionic Vitals collection. These shoes are the most essential styles for everyday wear to get us ready for spring, which will be here before we know it. We've already talked about my Uptown Loafers and Willa Slip-On Flat and your Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, but this collection also includes the Walk 23 Classic Sneaker. That is that unapologetic dad sneaker style that's so popular right now. And I was just thinking having all four styles would basically be like having a spring capsule wardrobe for your feet. Oh my gosh, that is actually such a genius idea, Megan. I love where you're going with this. 
You know, high quality shoes are such a classy way to elevate your wardrobe. And the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection really can be worn in your everyday mom life, whether you're running errands or dressing up for an occasion. Yeah. And let's talk about the comfort factor, Sarah. Vionic actually got started by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to make cute and comfortable shoes that can keep up with our active lifestyles. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya, is back on the show today, and I just really love this company. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. They're filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk most parents don't really want their growing kids eating. That's why Haya, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered chewable vitamin, was created. That's right, Megan. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern kids' diets to provide the full-body nourishment they need. And Haya vitamins have a yummy taste kids love, too. So we were just talking to Katie on our team, Megan, and she was saying that when they get down toward the bottom of the Haya vitamin bottle, her boys are fighting over who gets the last one. Oh, I love it. And I also love that Katie can feel good about that, right? Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door. So parents never need to worry about running out. And we've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Megan. All right, want to dive in? Yeah, so our first question came from Kathleen and she called it in or recorded her voice, which we love ever so much. So let's just go ahead and listen to her question now. Hi, Megan and Sarah. This is Kathleen. I'm a longtime listener with two boys, ages five and eight. And I have a question about the topic of self-regulation. Uh, we have always been pretty strict with our kids about screens and sweets. And as my oldest is about to turn nine, I'm realizing that we need to start working on helping him develop his own sense of self-control and self-regulation and discipline. And I'm just wondering if you have any suggestions about how to transition uh, from being the parent who controls everything and access to all of the, you know, in this case, suites and, and screens in the house to starting to let go of that and giving your kids an opportunity to develop the ability to regulate themselves, um, how, just how to navigate that. So I would be grateful for any suggestions that you might have. I really enjoy the podcast and thanks so much. Okay, Kathleen, this is a great question. And just like anytime I feel like anyone asks us a question like this, I just feel like we have to give all these qualifiers. <laughs> disclaimers. Disclaimers and qualifiers, right? Well, the first one I guess I would say is this does happen. It will happen, but it's going to happen gradually. So you're not going to necessarily see them developing that self-regulation like quickly. Like just because you make a change right. doesn't mean they're going to get it right away. Um, and keep in mind that all kids come in into this like self-regulation is a skill and it's a skill that takes time to regulate and all kids get it in different ways at different speeds um it's not linear like right. we talked about before right. like you might be making great progress and then have to kind of put the reins back on a little bit so I mean just like everything Sarah I feel like whenever we talk about parenting kids especially older kids we like it's talk 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 model 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 yeah. you know it's like do the thing you want them to do make sure they see you doing the thing you, right. that you want them to do 
talk about it a lot. Um, and you can ask open-ended questions. Like one of the things I like, I've got one kid in particular who is very focused. Like he can get really sucked into stuff. Uh-huh. And this is Owen and he's yeah. 13 now. So he's got a little more independence and I don't like hover around his bedroom door at night. And I've had days where he's dragging in the morning. And when I've asked him, you know, oh, were you, you know, were you up a little too late last night? Were you, and then, yeah. And then, oh, that doesn't feel so good. Does it? I think you have yeah, to let them yeah. kind of make those mistakes sometimes like safely make mistakes. Yeah so that they can experience those consequences. Okay, I love what you said. I have to say that the reason I picked this question among the many that we got is I was like, oh, I want to hear what Megan says about this because I'm I'm more newly at the beginning of this. Um, right. So Kathleen's kids are five and eight. My oldest is 10. But as you guys know, I do lean a little bit more controlling. And she mentions... Um, sugar and screens, which I have to yeah. say, like screens and sweets are probably the two most addictive things that even the most kind of well-regulated kid would yeah. probably love to gorge out if they could. So yep. I loved hearing your thoughts. A couple of thoughts I had. I love the idea of asking questions and giving maybe small opportunities for self-regulation. Um, I know when we travel in particular is when my rules really relax and I am more likely, just like you said, to say, huh, your tummy hurts. Really? I wonder what, like, how, how have you been eating lately? Tell me what you had today. Oh, okay. So mm -hmm. you haven't really had any foods that give you energy. You've just been eating yesterday's candy. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, right. yeah. and, and I do think, um, if you don't feel comfortable completely, like that, I mean, I, I'm sure Kathleen wasn't thinking of like relaxing all rules, but it is helpful. I think sometimes to have little experiments, maybe it's the day after Halloween or the day after their birthday, where you just decide, you know what, just go for it today. And then let's see, let's see how you feel. I also think it's always okay as a parent to, to relax rules, but then reserve the right to take them back. Like, Oh yeah. Hey, you know, sure. this summer, I'm going to let you guys moderate your own video game use. And if I see that it's becoming a problem, we will have to readjust, yep. you know? So you, it's not like you can't go back or adjust. Um, I think it's awesome that she's even thinking about this because I think it is something that sometimes we almost realize like later than we meant right. to that like, Oh, and I, this, this does happen to me. Like I have a tenant, almost 11 year old who will ask me about mom, can I have an apple? Can I have a banana? And she's so, she's such a rule follower. And I almost cringe now because I think, Oh gosh, like she doesn't, I'm never going to say no to an apple. Right. And she doesn't <laughs> yeah. need to ask me for every little right. snack. I actually really want her to have good, you know, self-regulation around food. So I think it's really awesome that Kathleen's even thinking about this at these ages. And then, yeah, I think my final thought is that like those two things, screens and sweets are probably going to be the hardest. So maybe there are other, other areas, I don't know, sleeping or waking up and summer, summer is a great time, mm -hmm. I think, to also play with these things because everybody's schedules are different. And sometimes the stakes seem a little less high, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And I think like the first day of the weekend is a good day yeah. too, if you want to kind of yeah. start testing it out, like probably not Saturday night. Cause then you're going to have a hard time getting back on track. Right. Sunday. Um, I like what you said about, you know, you can go back and reenact those rules. And I guess the way I think about it is like everyone falls off the wagon. Yeah. Like, adults do too. Right. We all need limits. Like I don't have sweets in my house typically because if they're there, I'll eat them. Right. Like, so right. it's not just about it's about creating an environment where everybody can win. Uh -huh. um, and sometimes that might mean like, hey, guys, I know that if we don't all put our phones like on this charging station tonight, we're all going to be tempted to look at them tonight. Let's yeah. all do that. It's not like a punishment. And right. I think sometimes if you do loosen things a little bit too much and you realize like we talked about, I feel like a couple episodes ago, sometimes you just realize things aren't working and it's not like you're yeah. mad at anybody yeah. or it's a consequence yeah. or a punishment. You just be like, 
Yeah, you know what? We're all watching a little too much TV or we're all yeah. like on our devices too much. Let's get back on track. This week we're going to do X, Y, and Z. Oh, and you know when we it, talked about that is in our Patreon bonus. So if people oh, don't, did. if people, if it doesn't sound familiar, guys, you're not crazy. It was, we That's just dropped right, our bonus Patreon. episodes for Patreon. So not to oh, tease. Yeah, we did. <laughs> no, no, I totally didn't mean to. I just remembered having talked to you about yeah. it. But yeah, we talked about discipline um, and punishment and discipline. Yeah. And I was saying sometimes something can be a consequence without looking like a consequence. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not like a punishment. It's not like you're saying you screwed up. Now you're, you know, now in the dog like, house. you can't. Yeah. Like you're in the doghouse or now we're putting limits back on and I'm really going to drop the hammer. It's more like, oof, guys, I'm not loving how this is going. And we all need like a reset or yeah. this needs to change. And I think you can do that. And then it makes it like, again, it's kind of blaming the, the thing that's the temptation rather mm -hmm. than blaming yes, the kid this is becoming a problem. Yeah. Right. This yeah. is a pro this thing that we all, this technology that we use, these, sh the sugar is so tempting. Yeah. And I know if it's around me, I'm going to want it too. So you know what you guys like, I'm really not going to have any in the house for a while yeah. or whatever it is. And I think that that also models like, because when you're an adult and there's no one to tell you what to do then, and when you don't necessarily want to do it for yourself and yeah. you don't care that you'll feel like yeah. crap tomorrow, how do you then self-regulate? Well, sometimes you control your environment. Like right. that's often the way you have to do yeah. that. So I think that's another healthy coping mechanism kids can learn. Yes. Time. No, I, I love the way you talked about kind of modeling it for yourself and sometimes modeling. I mean, we all know we're going to, you know, try and show a good example, but sometimes you have to add a little bit of context for kids who aren't, they're not noticing your behavior or your choices. Right. So sometimes you have to say, you know, I've noticed I've been dragging in the morning lately. So I'm really making an effort to, you know, have some protein and a little less sugar in the morning. And, you know, yep. it sounds corny sometimes to, but kids are interested in that kind of stuff. And if yeah. you consistently model that and kind of talk about the choices you make around sugar and screens and everything else that leaves leads to kind of a regulated adult healthy lifestyle, it does, it, they, they do pick it up whether they enact it right away or not. I think right. last final thing is I know with food, I have kids who listen to their body and kids who do not. So right. it don't feel like it's your fault or you're, or you're not doing the right things. If you have a kid who literally would eat themselves sick. Cause I yeah. have, I have one who would, and I have one who's like, Nope, I'm full. Or I, you know, I don't, my tummy hurts or I don't feel good or so it's not, I mean, you'll have kids who will eat themselves sick and then not even care, right? <laughs> like not even care that they did it. Like it's not a deterrent for them. Right, you know, right. it's like, it's like my dog who wouldn't stop yes. eating. I was going to say it's like the a table, dog. Even when I was zapping her with like the, the shock collar, <laughs> she would just look at me and be like, meh, whatever. And then she'd go right back to it. Like some not trying to compare people's kids, to <laughs> dumb dogs, but you know what I mean? Yep. Yep. But sometimes I, like, the treat is more important to them than the. Yeah. And that I think is a, a personality thing. But yeah. um, I think like major pat on the back, Kathleen, for even thinking about this at five and eight. I think that's a really good time to start to just think about it. Yep. OK, Agreed. next question. Um, I will set this one up. It came via Facebook from Morgan. And I will say I have to say something about Facebook. No, no offense, Facebook, but the way we manage our mom, our page on Facebook, the message, the messages that we get, get super hidden sometimes. And mm -hmm. I swear I see them come in and then I can't find them later. It's just the way that the back end is. So if you've ever sent us a message via Facebook, yeah. first of all, we, we try and grab it and add it to the list. And Morgan's that I'm about to read to you 
she hers made it through but if we've ever not responded try emailing us you can always yeah. hello at the mom hour I feel like, the, like it shows them in weird orders and stuff yes. and like yes and if you mark it as red it like disappears forever it disappears I was like forever. wait no I read it but I, where but was I want to look at it again yeah. yes so anyway um just lovely Facebook so this came via Facebook from Morgan but you guys should just email us because it was one of the lucky few that survived um so she asks if we've tackled the topic of communicating with other parents of kids uh, that your kids share in the class. So she has a preschool situation where her son has gotten, you know, gotten in trouble a little bit a couple of times with another child. And she tried reaching out to the other parent involved and it did not go so well. In fact, the other parent maybe told her kid not to hang out with her kid. You see where this is going. This is like four-year-olds having maybe some dynamics between them and then the mom's trying to get involved. And she asked, has this ever happened to us or have we ever dealt with this at the preschool level? So I don't know. I have some thoughts. I know you have some thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I think it sucks. I I guess I would say like, I, I think I'm sorry that it happened. It does happen. It will continue to happen on some, on some level. Um, and I'm sure Sarah, that you would agree that like supporting your own kid is the first, yes, is the first priority because that's all you have control of. You really have no control over anything else about the situation. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That was kind of what came up for me. I think preschool in particular is really hard because it's right at the moment where your kids might actually start to care about their friends and what people think Mm -hmm. of them. I don't know if your kids were like that. I had a couple of kids who didn't care so much about friends in preschool, but a lot of four-year-olds, they do care. They do have friends. They have very good friends and they care about getting their feelings hurt and they want to be a good friend and all that. But it's also the moment where you're spending quite a bit less time observing your kids socially. So you're, I, I, I'm sure Morgan's feeling like, I don't even know what happened. Like, right. and now we're trying to communicate, you know, to the other mom via four-year-old sometimes. So I was going to say the same thing that I think the priority has to be your kid's experience at school and making sure that you're addressing that at home first. In other words, talking to them about their day, trying to kind of figure out if there are things they're struggling with, where's that coming from? Just asking a lot of open-ended questions like we've talked about in the past. Um, and then the next step I think would be the teacher. And, and when you meet or talk with a teacher, I think it's most helpful when you keep it about what you're observing about your kid at home. Like, yeah, I, you know, my kid seems really upset about some playground dynamics. Here's what I've noticed at home at home. You know, he's crying in the morning. He doesn't want to go to school or he tells me he's worried about this. And you're not saying like, I, you know, this and this happened on the playground because it is, you don't, you don't know. And that's not to take away from what Morgan's kid experienced, but just that I I have found it's most successful when I can approach a teacher with what I have noticed at home. And then they can come with, here's what I have noticed at school. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think the other kid's parent is probably the the last place I would go. I can, I don't think I would. Yeah, I haven't. It hasn't been something that's come up for me because a four year old, I would not. Yeah, I I just don't. I can't see that unless it was a continuing problem. And it doesn't in this case, it doesn't necessarily sound like that. It sounds like the other boys told the little boy, which is unfortunate. My mom says, don't play with you anymore. Yeah. And then it kind of sounds like maybe that was kind of it. Right. So like, unless it's an ongoing thing where like your son's coming home every day upset because now this little kid won't play with him anymore. I almost feel like that could just be adding fuel to the fire Um, rather than focusing on finding friendships that are positive. Yes. And will like be a nurturing thing for this kid. Like, yes. And you never know. Like, I think we we've talked about this a lot in the show. Sometimes we take things on that for our kids are a blip. Yeah, like it's a blip. Uh-huh. It makes them sad in the moment, but then they move on and they make new friends. And it's a positive thing now. Yeah. 
and they're not worried about it, but we're still stewing. Yeah. Um, well, and, and you would, if your kid, yeah, if your kid told you like so-and-so said, his mom said, I'm not supposed to play with him. That's really right. hurtful. Right. Um, it is. Yeah. But you don't know unless, unless the son is showing this, if that he's still being actively hurt by it. Exactly. So I think sometimes like trying to kind of stay involved in something that's not a thing anymore just makes it a thing that the, like it could have been some offhand comment the mom made like well i heard you guys are getting in trouble maybe you shouldn't pal around together anymore and then forgot all about it right. so like months later who knows how that conversation would even go i just don't know that at four years old these um relationships are really that entrenched yet yeah and you bring up a good point which is we don't know the context of how the other mom made this comment but let's assume the worst for a second and assume she's really unkind and told her four-year-old don't hang out with Aiden because he's bad news right that's she's probably not going to be receptive to any kind of a problem-solving solution you come up with so like that I would stay even further away if I thought she really was that way now maybe she meant it like you said Megan which is more of a like huh seems like there's a problem here maybe we should mix up the friend groups and it was a little more benign and got taken out of context um I wanted to bring up an interview I did a while ago with um Eileen Kennedy Moore who's um a psychologist and an expert in kids and friendships because she told me something that until I had this conversation, I hadn't thought of, which is the importance of play dates at this age. And I, I kind of almost rolled my eyes because I don't love setting up play dates. It's a lot of work. I don't want to hang out with the other mom all the time, but socially for little kids, play dates are often a way better opportunity. Number one, to observe your kids socially and kind of see how they react. But also if they're still getting used to classroom dynamics and having like 20 other kids behavior in a, in a big group can be really different and so overwhelming for a lot of kids. And so it can actually be a great way for kids to practice their social skills if they are having trouble in preschool, uh, having trouble on either end, either they're like they're in everybody's business or they're really shy. Having one on one or two on one or small group play dates can be really helpful. And I, you know, I don't love hosting play dates. I don't like coordinating yeah, them. No, but she either. did but- kind of educate me that that can be a really good proactive strategy to to watch your kids socially and to maybe build some friendships that then can carry into the classroom. So I just wanted to offer that. That's um back in October, 2017, and it's called kids, kids and friendships. So that episode was really interesting. And she answered some specific preschool social dynamic questions in that interview. Um, that's a really good suggestion. Cause I'm also not a huge lover of yeah. play dates, but looking back, I can see how for some of my kids, especially they were, when I did, you know, go through the effort to set them up, they were beneficial. Um, I think I would just say to, for like the last thing to Morgan is that, you know, it is so normal for four-year-olds to quote get in trouble mm-hmm. and it is so 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 normal for two certain kinds of kids to inst- <laughs> to, to like get each other all whipped up like yeah. a kid who maybe at home would never be that kind like it, it's like there's a certain dynamic that certain like pairs of kids have and this is going to happen throughout your child's life yeah maybe they're a follower and this other kid's this tough leader maybe they're both leaders and that means they kind of are trying to outdo each other like there's yep. so many different little dynamics that can create this sort of stinker on stinker um, <laughs> dynamic. You know what I mean? Where, stinker on stinker. Yes. I love it. And in preschool, there is so much shame around our kids behavior yes. that, you know, Morgan says that she approached this other mom to talk to her about two specific inf- incidents that happened. Um, now, while she didn't mean it in any kind of way to like come down on this mom, I can totally see why in that situation, the other mom might've felt very like defensive yeah. or whatever. And the whole thing might have just gotten blown out of yeah. proportion 
relative to really the damage that was being done or like so i'm not trying to excuse the other mom i do think it, it's stinky that this little boy told yeah this other little boy that like he won't play with him but there's so much happening in this yeah. like this this is a little microcosm yes of like all of the personalities involved yeah and it's like a drama it's like a little soap opera playing out yeah. in this like tiny little in this tiny little microcosm and everybody has their own story about what happened yeah including the kids right yeah. so it's like it's just at some point, unless this mom is like a good friend of yours, or you feel like now it's awkward with the other mom and you want to repair that relationship. Yeah. I think it's just so normal that I would be inclined to just downplay it and let it go. That yeah. would be my inclination. But I, no. I, I think I, I think I agree. And it's so fraught in the early yeah. preschool years, um, like we've said. So I think it does get a little easier as they move through. The kids get yeah. better at. Um, yeah, it, it just all gets easier. Okay, moving on. We are going to take a really fun question from Alicia. Do you? She sent it in by email. Do you want to set this one up, Megan? Sure. So I, I don't think I'd ever heard it referred to this before. So this is kind of fun for me. Alicia asks, "How do you manage your drop zone in your home?" Um, and what she means by that is where you throw all your crap when you walk in the door, I guess. So yeah. She said, "We just did a little renovation to build a mud room in our home, and I'd like to set it up for success. How do you keep your drop zones organized?" How do you keep on top of shoe boot winter gear mess? Um, I feel like sure you, you are going to, <laughs> you're going to have so much to say. say. Do you want yeah. me to go first? Since mine will probably be sure. quicker. Yeah, go ahead. And I don't have winter, so I can't speak to that. <laughs> right. Um, the first thing I want to say is no drop zone organization or mudroom organization system works without well-trained children who know the routine to make it work. Does that make sense? So this yeah. is a routine question as much as it is a home organization system. And I have lived that the last few years as I've gone from one kid in school full-time to two to three. So functionally, we um, don't have a mudroom. We have a set of hooks right inside the garage, right before you come into the house. And our after-school routine is that they um, hang up their backpacks, they take their lunch boxes out, they bring their lunch boxes to the kitchen, and they're responsible for emptying out the bento box and all the uneaten food um, and putting the lunch box away in the cupboard. And the backpacks stay out there. For papers and stuff, they usually leave anything like that in their backpacks, and then I will go collect them. They usually actually only bring papers home once a week. So then on Fridays, I might go get the folders myself. I'd rather leave everything on the hook in the garage if possible. Shoes are a little bigger issue for us. At the beginning of the year, I was having them take their shoes off um, right when they got home and put them in these shoe cubbies out there because people were having trouble finding their shoes in the morning. And unlike summer where you can throw on any old pair of flip-flops, like they only had one pair of school shoes. They needed to know where it was. Um, I will say it's gotten a little lax, but they have also gotten better at at least remembering where their shoes are. So Allegra will, tends to take hers off in her closet upstairs. And we also have a shoe basket um, in our kind of entry area. And so any miscellaneous shoes that get dropped, find their way there. So that's that's where we are. Yeah, um, it's so funny when you were describing that. That sounds almost exactly the way our after-school routine went when my kids were more similar to your kids' Aww, ages. Oh, that makes me happy for yeah, some Yeah, no, reason. like almost yeah. exactly the same. Um, things have changed for several reasons. One, my kids all get home at different times a day now. Right. So the routines are just different and where they want to work on their homework changes. Like mm -hmm. they might, you know, we don't have like, like the setup before was we had kind of this one little homework area. Now people kind of like, we don't have a designated homework area. People might work at the table. They might work in their own bedrooms. Also, we're in the midst right now of just like absolute 
crazy weather swings where mm. one day it might be warm enough for like a hoodie. Yeah. And the next day you have to have snow pants, a coat, boots, the whole nine yards. And so, and we also live in a really tiny house now. So, yeah. um, I think that the, just in general, what I would say about drop zones, they tend to be, if you have a mudroom, they tend to be kind of in these like forgettable areas of the house, which makes them sort of out of mind, out of sight, out of mind, mm-hmm. but you really can't forget them, right? They, yeah. You have to actively manage them, whether it's you or a kid that you assign to be the one who goes through and make sure everything's going well, no matter, even if the kids' routines are great, uh, so they're, they're going to within, with any, like anytime you ease up, mm-hmm. there's a good chance someone's going to try to get away with something like bringing their backpack in an area of the house yeah. you're not supposed to bring it into <laughs> or whatever it is. Right. So, um, another thing that I've found is like now our drop zone is literally like a three by five area in front of the door. Mm-hmm. And I have to make sure I don't try to make that space do more than it can do. Yeah. Like I have to be really like, I don't know, um, not overly optimistic about how much crap I yeah. can cram into that area, which means the drop zone might only get one tenth of the things that the kids walk in the house with, which right. means you have to have a plan for everything else. So like just thinking that through, like what absolutely needs to go right here? Well, for us, it's probably the shoes you wear in because I don't want you wearing those through the house which should be the shoes you're going to wear back out the next day. Right. Otherwise it doesn't make sense having them there. If you're wearing these shoes and it's a special occasion, or for some reason you don't think you'll wear those shoes again tomorrow, then they don't go in the drop zone. They have to go someplace else. Um, We don't have room for backpacks in our drop zone. Those have to go in kids' bedrooms. Coats can go in the adjacent closet. But like, again, if it's like a coat and a hoodie and snow pants, then you might have to hang it in your bedroom closet. And some of that just, takes me because there's so many moving parts when yeah. you live in a weather and a climate like this. Like I sometimes just have to look and go, okay, I've seen too much stuff. Yep. Uh, you grab this, you grab that, get this out of here, get this out of there. And it just requires me to be on top of it a little more than it seems like I should be. Yeah. But, but that's just, but that's just reality. It's life. Um, right. <laughs> I've thought of a couple other kind of practical things. One is hooks have to be really strong. Yes. <laughs> um, there's nothing worse than right now in our little drop zone, the hooks are kind of coming out of the wall. And I'm like, Oh, I don't think you can hang a heavy backpack on there. And by the same token, if you have shoe cubbies or baskets or bins, I think I've given this tip before, but don't plan bins that always need to be filled to the, t- or that will be filled to the top. There's nothing worse than like looking for gloves at the bottom of an overstuffed yep. bin. So think like you see in the magazines where there's like two things in a lovely wicker basket. There's a reason for that. You can find it more easily and it's not, there will always be more stuff that gets added in. So stronger hooks than you think and either more or bigger baskets than you think or less stuff because yep. the, where we start to run into organizational backlog is when there's too much stuff. Um, yeah. And that's whether you have too a, much stuff like it's yeah. yeah, too much, too many things crammed into too small of a space. Yeah. Like, you know, they have those, um, the, like, I don't even know what you call it, like a coat tree or whatever. Yes. They have like mm-hmm. three little bins that yeah. pull out. I, for a while had one of those in my foyer and I was like, Oh, this is perfect. There's three bins. I can put scarves in one mittens in <laughs> one and hats in another. Well, what ended up happening was just a hot mess and stuff crammed, like yeah. j- just like crammed down so far. You could never make a, uh, you know, you'd never make a pair of gloves in the morning. And I realized that what made more sense was for my kids to stuff their mittens in their pockets. Like it just oh, made yeah. more sense, right? It wasn't pretty. It wasn't taking advantage of this beautiful thing right. the same way, but it made so much more sense. And then kids weren't stealing each other's gloves by accident yeah. or losing one on the way, you know? So it sometimes you don't use things the way they look like they were intended. Right. 
to be used. Well, and especially um, yeah. when I'm picturing like this pretty mudroom because they just designed it. So I'm right. sure Alicia's had, you know, the pottery barn visions of how it's going to look oh, yeah. and feel. And there will be some kind of an adjustment period like that yep. that you just described where you realize how you actually need the space. But yep. I feel like depending on the ages of kids, I cannot emphasize enough how the training of the soldiers is as important as the organizational space. Um, and that just requires a lot of like, Oop, I noticed that you dropped your coat yep. over here. Please go hang it up, go hang yep. up your backpack. Where does your backpack go? Like you just do it reminders, forev- reminders, reminders. forever. Yep. Um, but uh, you know, they may never be perfect, but they'll at least know where stuff goes. And I have found as a household manager, if I'm the only no- one who knows where stuff goes, it's a lonely place to be because you can't ask for help. And then they just look at you like, oh, I didn't know. Or you do and it doesn't get done right even when you right, ask. because yeah. you haven't trained them. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, okay, so before I chat with Allison, just a couple of things. I wanted to remind you guys that you can send us questions like these anytime. Um, there's a couple of ways to do it. A lot of listeners like SpeakPipe. Um, you can go to our website, themomhour.com, and there's a little SpeakPipe widget right in the sidebar, or you can also go to speakpipe.com slash the mom hour. The reason it's cool, it does the recording for you, and you can also preview and erase your recording if you don't like it. And so <laughs> we all get a little um a little stage fright when the mic is on, right? So that works really well. Or if you're comfortable with your phone's um, voice memo recorder, most mobile phones have one, you can record your voice and that becomes an audio file that you can email us at hello at themomhour.com. So we we get questions both of those ways pretty frequently. We love when we hear your voices. You don't have to. You can also just email us, but we extra love when we hear your voices. So that's really fun. That's one of our favorite things. Yep. We also want to say hi to our new patrons, something we're hoping we're going to do a little more often um, because it's the community is growing and it's so fun. So welcome to those of you who joined our community last month. Uh, Jennifer E., Karen H., Carla, Jessica, Karen K., Michelle, Celeste, Kristen, Courtney, and lastly, Jennifer L., who upped her pledge last week to join our editor-level community. Um, she got those bonus episodes that we dropped last week that we inadvertently talked about today. <laughs> I totally didn't do that on purpose. I did not mean to tease those. But yeah, we did. It one, was a great conversation. Yeah, we did one on discipline and consequences and we did one on our favorite recipes. So two yeah. totally different. And there are two of those per quarter when you're at the editor level. So. Yep. It's like a little bonus audio with a, a downloadable. So it's kind of like a an episode with like a little extra, little extra something. So yeah. if you want to support us via Patreon and get fun perks like a private Facebook group and bonus audio classes each quarter. Just go to patreon.com slash the mom hour. Yep. We'd love to see you guys there. Okay, Megan. Well, next week we're going to take some more questions, but right now we're kicking me out. I am. I'm kicking you out right now. We're going to hear my conversation with Allison. All right. I'll let you guys get to it. 
Hey, Allison, welcome back to the show. Hey there, thanks for having me. So real life, you are, you have baby Brooke with you right now. I, so. I do, as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> there may be baby noises. Uh, we, we welcome them, of course. Um, just remind everybody how old your two little girls are right now as we record this. Yeah, so uh, Claire turned two in November, and Brooke is uh, about five and a half months now. So I can't believe five and a half months. It's it, it went by so fast, and and I'm going back to work next month, and a lot of things are happening, but oh, way too quickly. <laughs> a lot of things are happening. Well, that's kind of perfect for how we wanted to structure this segment today. Um, typically, when you come on, we kind of focus on one area. Um, and we've been following along since you were pregnant with Brooke. But um, mm -hmm. Megan and I just answered some listener questions. People heard that. Um, so we're just going to continue with some listener questions that came in for you via Instagram a month or two ago. We kind of invited questions. And a lot of these are coming from moms who are about to have baby number two or who are right there in the thick of it with you. So if you're good, I'm just going to jump right in and start asking you some questions. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. So the first category people wanted to know about was sleep. Um, and so my first question for you is where is everybody sleeping right now? Like, like physically where bassinet in your room or two cribs or how has that worked over the last five months? All right. So right now, Claire is actually still in a crib, which I love. I will yeah. keep her in a crib for as long as I possibly yep. can. And she shows no interest in coming out. So she is staying in there. Nice. Um, Brooke has her own room, um, with a crib, which she takes naps in, but during the night she actually sleeps in just a halo bassinet right next to me. Okay. Um, does that wake you up at all? I mean, obviously she wakes you up, oh, yeah. but the, I just remember the, the noisy baby problem after a couple months. So I'm impressed that she's still there. She must be, she must, um, not be making you too crazy after five and a half months. No. And, and actually I tried to transition her to a crib a little bit earlier um, I wanted to wait till six months, but nobody was getting any sleep. Like you said, like any breathing noises, it's like, oh, right. is she okay? Right. Um, and the transition didn't go well. So I decided to just kind of pull back. She wasn't ready. Um, and we're going to give it another go here when she's six months. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Yes. She does wake me up. <laughs> yes. That makes sense. Well, I mean, and I thank you for being honest about that. Cause I think sometimes <laughs> people think like it's all got to be like buttoned up by 12 weeks or eight weeks or whatever. So I think it's much more real life that it isn't. Um, so another listener asked about putting baby down for naps when you mm -hmm. also have a toddler at home. Now, Claire is in daycare preschool some of the time, but I know you are at home with both of them at least some of the time. Have you run into that challenge or putting either of them down for a nap, I, I guess, while the yeah, other one's awake? Any kind of sleep when you've got to, I feel like is, is just challenging in general because there's the whole who wakes up who mm -hmm. scenario. Um, so Claire is in preschool most of the time. Um, but when she's home, I, I kind of just have to go with the flow for Brooke's naps. Mm -hmm. Claire's naps are rigid as could be. She goes up into her room. She can choose to nap or not to nap, but she's in there from one to about three. Mm -hmm. Um, and usually she'll nap, but sometimes she'll just play in her crib. Mm -hmm. But for Brooke, we really had to to figure out how to make that work because Claire, when she wants to help, sometimes she just wants to wake Brooke up <laughs> just very openly. Right. Um, and so I've done a lot of baby wearing. Mm -hmm. um, I really like the opportunity to have her next to me. She will fall right asleep. Um, and I haven't found that it's given her any problems for when she does nap in her crib. Right. Um, and then sometimes it's napping on the way home mm -hmm. from dropping Claire at school. Um, and sometimes it's swing, but it, it's 
getting that sleep in how she can and, and, uh, you know, hopefully having the two-year-old not wake her up. Yeah. Um, but it's the distractions for the two-year-old while she's sleeping is, is kind of the best route. Right. So like giving Claire something to do while you're putting Brooke down, if you do decide to put her down in the crib. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like really special toys or things yeah. that she doesn't get very often. Um, is, is what I found a lot of success with, but even so it's not a perfect science and very often she's being woken up. Well, and what I remember is that with each baby, you know, like with the brand new newborns, there's so much flexibility that you don't really put them on the schedule. You kind of let them fall asleep wherever. And, and then, you know, eventually it's almost like baby tells you when it's time, like, oh no, (laughs) I need to be like in a more quiet room. I need a little bit more of a schedule. And for me, it was always like the baby kind of let me know because they'd be super grumpy. They'd be waking up after all these super short car naps. And I feel like with each kid, the age at which I was, I was ready to commit to like crib naps got later and later because of, because life, like the baby might've benefited from some real naps in their crib, but it was, yeah, baby wearing car naps. I used to transfer the car seat into the house, like carry it with the sleeping baby into the house and put it in this dark bathroom with the fan on. (laughs) And sometimes they'd keep sleeping for a little while, but, um, well, I, I told you that, that, uh, Brooke took a really long nap this morning and yeah. it was in her car seat on the way home from daycare. Yeah. And I just let her, let her hang out in there. And yeah. she took a nice long nap. <laughs> yeah. And I know for me, each, each baby, that window went like four months, five months, six months, at least, you know, before we were like, before both of us were like, okay, it would be better for everyone if we made some other sacrifices and got you real naps in your crib, but it took a while. Yeah. Okay, so that was sleep. I'm sure we could talk for an hour about it, but let's move on. So another category that came up a lot from listeners was how Claire has adjusted. And we talked a little bit about this the last time you were on, but um, Mm -hmm. Elise specifically wrote, I want to know if Allison has noticed jealousy in the older child and how she prioritizes who to give the attention to when. That's kind of a big question. that's such a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Like in the moment, right? Like (laughs) the squeakier wheel sometimes. (laughs) Oh, definitely. It's, it's, you have to triage in a lot of ways that you didn't have to before. Um, so overall, I would say that Claire's done really well with with jealousy. She is just enamored with her sister and wants to give her hugs and kisses and, you know, absolutely loves her. When it isn't a concern is when she wants something or um, wants me and I'm nursing or, or, or caring with mm-hmm. the baby or something. Um, and so, like you said, it's kind of just triaging needs. This kid absolutely needs me right now. And this one can wait a little bit. Um, and the other thing, I, I actually think it might have been um, advice I'd heard on, on the mom hour, but you know, the, my five month old now, or was a newborn can wait a little bit longer mm-hmm. where, you know, the two-year-old might need that extra bit of attention yeah. just in that moment. And, and I, I think in, in one of our pre- previous segments, it's saying, hold on right now, Brooke, yeah. I'm going to give this to Claire and, and showing her that she's still important yes. and, and relevant in her own way. Um, and so it's, it's tough, but, um, you know, figuring out in that moment, just who needs you more. (laughs) It's really hard to do. It is really hard. And we did talk. I'm so glad you reminded everybody of that. If you haven't listened, you can go back and listen. We'll link up Allison's previous segment, but basically, yeah. Letting the toddler hear you say, wait a minute, baby. I'm with Mm -hmm. the big kid now. I'm with, you know, I'm with sister now. And, and they do, they just, over time, it becomes second nature when you're raising multiple kids that they're not always the center of attention. It's just such a, it's such a transition for everyone in the first few months that it feels all important. 
But yes. it, it's, it becomes so second nature. Claire will never even remember not having, um, not having a little sister that sometimes needs your attention. So exactly. It's not, it's not that I want to um, diminish the importance of the question, but it's a, it's a question that every single parent going from one to two has it. And every single one survives through it and everybody's okay on the other side. So yeah. And acknowledging that there will definitely be jealousy. There yeah. will definitely be moments when both kids want you at the exact same time. And it's hard. Yeah. It's really, really hard. We had a, a stomach bug in our house not too long ago. Um, and, you know, Claire just wanted to be held all day, but I had to nurse and yeah. do all sorts of other things. And it was probably the hardest parenting week, but yeah. we got through it. And, yeah. you know, Claire wasn't held all day, but she did get a lot of extra snuggles and it was really hard but everybody was okay. Yep. Yes. Yes. Like Megan said in that recent episode, I, I forget her yoga teacher said like, that was hard and we're okay. Like if we yeah. survived, like that was hard, but A we good survived. mantra. Yes. Um, okay. So moving on, several listeners kind of had questions about your, like a day in the life or your mm -hmm. kind of just how you're making it through. You've been, just to remind everybody, if they're listening to you for the first time, you have a six month maternity leave. It is I coming do. to an end, but so, so far soon. you've been home. Claire's been in school some. Um, do you have any general observations about what it's been like to adjust to this new normal and um, kind of carve out a structure or a schedule for yourself when you've been home? I think this is an interesting question because so far you haven't gone back to work. So you're, mm -hmm. you're able to speak as a working mom, but you've also kind of had a taste of stay at home mom in the last few months. So what has that looked like for exactly. you? Somebody asked, uh, Danielle asked if you get up before the kids and try and get yourself ready. Um, do you just, do you try and have a schedule or some structure? Or do you just go with the flow? How has that worked? That's such a good question. So I think the thing that I found most difficult about transitioning to two, then transitioning to one is that you're fitting number two into an existing schedule. And I found that really, really challenging. Mm. Um, so Really what I, I've been trying to do is use Claire's schedule as kind of our nucleus and, like and building things around that because she is such a good napper. She's a, a good sleeper. She needs food at very specific times yeah. and, you know, school helps her stick to that schedule. Mm -hmm. um, and so then building in those moments for Brooke in that existing schedule um, in terms of doing stuff for myself. Uh -huh. no, I'm just no, I definitely, I definitely do try to make that work. Um, yeah, a lot of the time it's waking up before the kids. So um, Claire has a wake up time. She's doesn't get out of her room before seven thirty. Wow. Um, and so if I need to shower or um, you know I just need to come down and have make coffee or have right. breakfast, um, I'll do that with Brooke. So she if if she's still sleeping, great. I'll you know leave her in her bassinet and go into the shower. Um, but often she comes in and she sits in a little chair in the bathroom right. or she comes downstairs with me. Um, and she's that's kind that of just moment where one appendage. kid, sorry to interrupt. That's that moment <laughs> no, where fine. one kid feels so much easier, right? Like that feels oh so God. hard when it's your first, but now you're like, Oh, the toddler's sleeping. So I just have you. It's so easy. I, I have so much free time. This yeah. is great. <laughs> yeah. That, that is an interesting swap in perspective. Um, but yeah, it, otherwise I, I do have to wait until Claire goes to school sometimes to shower, which again, like, Oh, I've got one. I can shower. Right. I can do whatever I need. Right. Um, but the other ways that I've been trying to build in schedule is, is figuring out how I can leverage existing time. So, um, one of Brooke's naps is in the morning right after Claire is dropped off at school. Mm -hmm. So I know that she'll fall asleep in the car. That's one of her naps. Mm -hmm. It's in the car seat. She's comfortable. 
And then on the weekends when Claire's home, she can have that exact nap up in her crib. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. it's worked out. It, it'll be an even different transition, of course, when I go back to work. Right. Um, but because we've been building around Claire's schedule, <laughs> sorry for hearing baby no, noises. No, I love it. <clears throat> um, building around Claire's schedule, um, she has kind of a typical work day built in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's making sure that I've got that time in the morning to get ready. Um, and then that same schedule will carry us through. Um, and then we, in the evenings, it, it'll be the same schedule we're working off now because my husband comes home, we eat right. dinner all together, that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. I love that. I think, I think it's so helpful to just hear how it's really going. Um, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about transitioning back to work. Um, it's pretty soon now. Um, I can't believe that feel like it went by really fast from my perspective. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> so just talk through the actual logistics. What's going to happen? Is Brooke going to start at the same daycare where Claire is? And what's the plan? She will. So she's starting in the infant room at um, Claire's school in the middle of March. Um, and I'll transition back to work. I'm a consultant, so I'm not actually 100% sure what my day is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't know where I'm headed or if I'll be remote or if I'll be in an office setting until I start. Okay. Um, which is an added challenge because I, it's a little bit harder to build in that day. Right. But one of the things that um, I'm really fortunate to have is family close by. I know a lot of people aren't, aren't mm-hmm. so lucky. Um, and so if there's any need to kind of bridge a gap or, um, provide additional support there, right. um, my family is, is around. So that is, that's just going to be interesting. That's just a nice buffer to have for sure. Um, how are you feeling in this moment about going back to work? Oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have total mixed feelings, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's been really nice because I've been able to give Claire, a really nice short school schedule. She loves going to school, but I'm able to drop her off late, pick her up early, mm-hmm. take her out when needed. I'm I'm home if she's sick. Yeah. Um, and I've had really, really special time to to bond with Brooke um, mm-hmm. while I've been home. So, you know, all of those things are going to be hard to, as it evolves, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not going away, but it'll, yeah. it'll evolve. But then the other part of me is really excited to get dressed for work again mm-hmm. and, you know, have lunch with, with um, work friends and feel confident in a work environment. So mm-hmm. all of those challenges that it presents, I'm also really looking forward to. I do love my job. Um, and I'm excited for, for Brooke to start school as hard as, hard it is, as it is when they're that young. Mm-hmm. Um, we've chosen a school that I am incredibly comfortable with. I mm-hmm. love the teachers there. They provide so much you know, enrichment for the kids and, and Claire really thrives there. So seeing Brooke give that a go is mm-hmm. I think it's going to be pretty exciting as well. There is something special about having a sibling go into a school environment where you're first, where you, I mean, just speaking as someone who's now had kids in daycare or school or preschool for a long, long time, it is, it sort of just um, connects that place even more to your family because now, yes. now you've got two kids there. Now you're, you're seeing the second kid go through the same milestones that your first did. And it is very special. So um, I love that. Well, and Claire's starting to get excited too. So our yes. teachers all know Brooke and so they keep on saying Brooke's going to be starting school soon. And she knows where her classroom is and where her cubby will be. And um, it, usually they, they help the elder, the, um, the younger one sort of adjust and they can come in and say hello. So 
She's so excited. That will be really, can't wait. really special. That's really, that's really great. Okay. So I have one last question and I thought this was such a good one. It came from Kazoo and she asked, how has co-parenting and household chore distribution with your spouse changed since you've had two kids? Ooh, another good question. These are good questions. No. Um, I am very, very fortunate to have a very involved spouse. So, um, one of the things that we did this time was kind of a man on man defense here. So, um, you know, as I was really in the trenches of nursing and recovery, he managed almost all of Claire's day to day. Mm -hmm. Um, he, he tends to take on a lot. So he took on, um, making her meals and um, waking her up in the morning and being the one that helps with her her nighttime routine. Um, and as sort of, we've gotten the hang of Brooke as well. Mm -hmm. We've started to do more and more of that together. Um, and so he's picked up a lot of, I I don't cook or grocery shop. He does all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, he is here in the morning and tries to be here as much as possible in the evenings, um, to help navigate that. So if anything, I would say, he's taken on more yeah. of the load this time, you know, instead of it, it being more split, he's really taking on a lot. Um, and it's, it's, it's been nice because it's given me that opportunity to really spend a lot of time with Brooke and it's given him a lot of opportunity to really bond with Claire in a way he didn't get the opportunity to before. I, Obviously, you know, he was still his third yeah, dad, but <laughs> no, I think there's so many good things that come out of that. And in particular with the day to day tasks of running a household. I think when both partners have experience doing everything, you have so much more empathy for the other person and it's easier to jump in, in a pinch. You know, if you went down with the flu, he's not like, uh, where do we keep the sippy cups? You know what I mean? Like it's (laughs) just, just kind of like painting that with a broad brush, but, and that goes both ways for everybody. If everybody at least has a familiarity with the day-to-day tasks, it's so much easier when somebody is out of town or down for the count. So that's, yeah. that's awesome. Well, interestingly, I'm actually going out of town for the first time on this Wednesday. So we're recording this on a Monday yeah. or Tuesday. I go next or tomorrow. Wow. Um, so it's my first uh, couple of nights away from Brooke and from both of them. And I think, you know, I, I still do all of Brooke's nighttime and the nighttime wakings. And yeah. obviously I'm, I'm nursing her. Uh, so I think he's a little nervous. <laughs> he will be so be thankful great. for you when you get home. Thankful he that you're home will. and also just thankful that you exist. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yes, he will. It's <laughs> oh, really funny. Well, good for you for getting some time away. So I am going to wrap us up and let you get back to little Brooke. But you can tell her she was a very excellent podcast guest a vocal participant a vocal participant in the conversation um allison just to remind everybody you are co-host of the crunchy cocktail hour podcast that comes out every other friday um and it can be found wherever you get your podcasts and it is about clean living green living healthy living organic products and food and it's a great show so if you guys listening have not checked out crunchy cocktail hour look it up and we will link it up in the show notes and allison thanks so much for being here have fun on your trip thanks for having me oh i definitely will (laughs) bye Sarah, I started a Substack last spring, just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. 
So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com. Hey, everyone, Sarah here. Megan and I would absolutely love it if you hit pause right now, right where you're listening, and left the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, that's one of the absolute biggest ways you can thank us. And it really takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, just navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So not the episode you're listening to right now, but the kind of landing area for our show as a whole. And then scroll down to leave a rating or review. Thank you so much.